in Rivard, North Carolina, um, when we were in treatment together for our eating disorders. And um, we're here to share our stories with you this morning, our testimonies. Um, I'd like to ask Jerry Hyder, is he here? Will you lead us in prayer? Thank you. All right, so I asked Kimberly if she would share with you. You've already heard my story, basically, but if she would share with um, you hers, and then we want to talk about like our spiritual journey along with this too. So, um, good morning, everyone. Um, <laughs> so I haven't always been um, honest about my eating disorder. And um, for a long time, it was silent. And um, like even my family, they didn't want to admit that I was sick and um, that I needed help. But now since going through so much treatment and um, just really um, giving my life to Christ and getting stronger in faith, I've learned that it is so much better to be honest and to just be truthful and because, you know, we're all human and we all struggle and um, we all suffer from negative thinking and um, so it's just, it's really nice to be able to speak and not be embarrassed about it and not feel like I'm a bad person because of it. <laughs> um, I grew up in a Catholic family. We went to church every Sunday, and basically my sisters and I were like the perfect daughters, or so we thought we had to be. Um, so I guess that's kind of where the perfection came in, and um, just thinking that I had to be a certain size, and I had to like eat certain things, I had to eat, eat healthy. Um, my dad is like big into like wellness and um, was like a, a fitness teacher and my mom also um, is in recovery from an eating disorder as well. So it was hard to grow up seeing her um, struggling. Um, so when I was about 10 or 11, I started running and um, my parents were really happy about it because they were both runners. And I started restricting food from my diet and eating only what, what I thought was healthy and what I thought my parents thought would be healthy. And then I started losing weight and um, no one really said anything until it got really far. And my parents thought that, oh yeah, she can do this on her own. Like they believed me that I could do this on my own, like gain the weight that I need. Um, so after about 
four years of that, um, I finally went to treatment, and that wasn't enough. Um, and so I had to go to treatment about six more times after that. Um, a, the, I went to tapestry first, in the one in Brevard, the eating disorder center in Brevard, um, about, uh, I think it was like two and a half years ago. I'm originally from New York, and I had to go to treatment in North Carolina. Um, the eating disorder support is so scarce, um, especially in New York, like where I'm from. Um, and the, I guess I'll go back. The night before I left for treatment, or two nights before, um, I was suicidal. Um, I had been suicidal before, but never thought about actually taking my life. And so the night before, I, oh, I was just so depressed and so malnourished that I couldn't think properly. And um, I almost took my life. But before I took the action, um, something in me um, got the phone and I called my mom and told her to come home. I don't really remember doing that, so I truly believe that it was God who, um, sorry. <laughs> who helped me through that. And it was that point where um, I, I knew that I needed something. I knew I needed God in my life, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, and I knew I needed treatment right away. So I called the treatment center, and they got me in, I think, two days later. And so I flew down to Brevard. And um, through that treatment, that first treatment at Tapestry, I attended a church in Brevard, Brevard Community Church, um, and I talked with the pastor and the college, the college pastor also, and with them, I gave my life to Christ, and they prayed with me, and they, they met with me and helped me through the journey, um, and that, I, that was the key to my recovery, was my faith, and I praise God for that. You know, I still have my struggles, but I know through him I can get through it. Um, and then um, I met my husband, and so now he's from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So now, now I'm living there. <laughs> um, and yeah, so I went there last year, and I started struggling again. So I came back to Tapestry in uh, November last year, and that is when Logan and I met. And um, <laughs> we didn't, we weren't friends right from the start. <laughs> yeah, I was a little um, not myself. And Logan didn't really very like welcoming. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we talked about this last yeah. night. It's hard when you're comfortable in treatment with the group that you're with, and when someone new comes, it's like a new family member coming, and it's it's hard to adjust to that. Um, so, but 
I don't know, something in us connected. I, I believe it was our faith that really connected us um, because we both, like, we both were pretty strong in our faith and we were both struggling with our faith. Like, um, like we know we wanted to be closer to God, but we didn't really know how to get there. And so we both helped each other um, and just reminded each other that, you know, God will get us through this. And... Um, so we are best friends now. We're, we're like sisters. <laughs> um, Logan's really helped me through my recovery. Like, she's my top supporter. Um, I'm, you know, I'm back in Calgary now, and it's, it's hard to be away from home and from friends and family. Um, but, you know, I have, I have Logan there. We text all the time, and... Um, I know that God has gotten me through all of this. You know, he, he plans our future, and, um, you know, I know if I follow him, then I will be okay. Um, and I have wanted to read something. I don't know if I'll f- find it. Um... Um, sorry. <laughs> this is Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 9. Then he said to me, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy, son of man, and say it. This is what the sovereign Lord says Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. Um, so this is like saying that. Like, bodies stay dead, but when we follow Christ, we are alive. Um, he puts breath into us, and if we follow him, then we'll be alive. And I, I know that when I'm following the voices that I know are the eating disorder voices, um, that's not God. And so I basically dry up, and I'm not, I don't live, I'm just... I'm following, I'm going in the wrong direction, and I'm um, basically listening to Satan is basically what it is. I I think of the eating disorder as basically like the evil one, um, because it's not, it's not what God says. And so when I, when I listen to the, the voice and do the behaviors that it says, basically, you know, I'm going to dry up, and if I, keep on restricting and doing these negative things, then I will die. Um, and I'm trying to think what else I was going to say. <laughs> um, Speaking about that, the eating disorder, um, like Kimberly said, not everybody in treatment with us was a Christian, and so it was labeled eating disorder. But we tend to view it as Satan's voice, like a voice of destruction, because um, the ultimate goal of, like for me and Kimberly, the ultimate goal of restriction when you're in an unhealthy place is eventually you're going to be malnourished, you're not going to be able to live, it's going to be death. And so that is ultimately what the devil wants for us, is death and destruction and not living in Christ and not fulfilling our plan. So even in treatment, when they talk about the eating disorder, 
it's still to us, it's still like the devil's voice wanting us to listen. And so a lot of times he's, he's very good at getting us to listen and restrict. He's eat, like, and we've practiced this since she's been here. It's really hard when you put two people with an eating disorder in this together, in living together, especially without much support because we're constantly comparing, we're constantly saying, you know, she looks better than I do, I need to do something, I'm too big here. Like, it's just a battle. So we've been vocalizing every time we have a thought like that. We say it to each other. It's really hard when you're the other person. Like, to hear Kimberly talk about herself, to me, it's just, I can't believe what she's saying. It's just, but I know that I say the same things to her. And just that support is crucial to be able to be honest. And with our faith, I think that is so critical. It's like, in our faith, if we're not honest with God about our struggles and what's going through our minds and, like, just confess it, even if it's just to him, but to even, like, the body of Christ, we're not going to be able to heal from that. Like, he craves, like, our honesty and our being, like, completely open with him. That's how he can help us. He can't help us if we're denying or if we're living in a world that we're not facing what's going on. Did you put in what you need to read? Um, yeah. Well. <laughs> I guess so. um, another verse that's really helped me through this is um, Psalm chapter 138, verse 7. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the anger of my foes. With your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the work of your hands. Um, so through my eating disorder, I one of the things I struggled with was, what's my purpose here? Like... I'm not good at anything, I'm not, like, I don't even like myself, what am I going to do with my life? Um, and so knowing that God does have a purpose with me, and um, that he will help me through the times of trouble, if I let him, um, that just really speaks to me, and gives me hope, and that there are still times, a lot of times, where I'm in the midst of trouble, and I don't seek God. Um, the eating disorder and the, the voice, like that voice, is just so powerful that it, um, I really do believe that it, it does have a spiritual side to it, because it, you almost, like, I, I forget about God. Like, I truly just forget about it, and um, so I, that's something that I'm still struggling with, is, um, getting to the point where I'm strong enough in my faith where I can remember to bring God into my times of trouble and really see his light in the darkness. So, um, Like I said, I've already talked about me, but um, I wanted just to share a little bit about the spiritual side of things for me as I went through this, and I'm still going through this process of getting better. Um, when I first went and I was there, like I said, I wasn't myself, I almost felt disconnected from my body, like, it was like, I wasn't me, and, um, like, I knew that I needed to get back into, like, reading the Bible and praying, but it was something, like, I didn't know how, like Kimberly said, like, there was just a stuck place to be, and, um, I took with me the devotional looking up by Beth Moore, that getting out of your pit, getting out of the pit, and um, every day, like, I was just like, if I can just do this devotion every day and get it to be a practice, then it'll hopefully just, like, come back to me. 
And um, it was a perfect devotional for that time because I was just talking about you're down so far in life and how are you going to climb back out and how are you going to seek God. And um, one day, like, I just had, I experienced God in a different way. Like, I thought of God in a different way than I always had. And then it changed for me. But I wrote a song even about, like, losing my soul. It felt like my soul was gone, that I couldn't get it back. But... um, Anyway, through that, we had each other to rely on with our faith, and our therapist there was like, you know, you and Kimberly would be good friends because you are very, like, in, you know, um, Christians, and we connected on that level. And what Kimberly was saying about her purpose, like, I remember one of the days that we were there, and we did, like, art therapy a lot, and Kimberly got really upset because she felt like she wasn't good enough at that and so like it really upset her and then that day like after that like I was nice to her then (laughs) oh after that um (laughs) we um I asked her if she wrote anything like if she was a writer and she it was just a random question and she was like yeah I, I write sometimes and I had this um tune on the guitar that I didn't have any words for. Like, I had just been playing it over and over. And I said, do you think you could write a song to this? And I played it. And, like, the next day, she had the words all written out. And we wrote our song together. Mm-hmm. And um, we connect on that as well. Um, but our goal, the reason that Shine is up on the screen, thanks to Rachel, um, we have started our own, as we're in the process of getting better, It's going to be a lifelong process of getting better. It's not an instant thing. And we know this. But we also know that, like, this is just one of the many serious things that goes on in our world. But this is a serious thing. And not many people are very educated about it and know what goes on and know the thoughts and know the seriousness, like, how deep of a depression you can get in when you're malnourished and how it can just change you. And so we have created this little we're starting to create this foundation called SHINE. And Kimberly, you want to tell them what it means? It stands for um, Saving Hearts in Need of Embrace. Um, Yeah, and Kimberly came up with it. Um, It's basically, we're not like limiting it to eating disorders. It's basically like an outreach, a way to like support people in whatever process they're going through in life. But, um, this is our goal. We want to eventually have our own little place and have provide help I, with my counseling degree, and she's getting her degree in counseling as well. We want to be counselors for this type of problem. And um, anyway, we're making a recovery CD. We're making, um, in December, we're recording a CD of all the songs that we wrote together um, about our journeys through the beginning of recovery and now and, like, Um, we hope to spread that by that CD, like give it to other people who are struggling or going through hard times and have that be an inspiration. So that's what our hope is. And next weekend, we'd like to ask you, um, we're having a fundraiser on Saturday at John Battle. We're doing um, cornhole and tennis and a costume contest. And we're just like having those tournaments and we would love for you to come. I know that everyone here plays cornhole. So you have your annual um, monthly cornhole tournaments. 
So we would love for you to come. Um, Taylor will be back there. You don't have to pay today or anything, but you could just sign your name down if you're interested in coming. And we could send you information because we'd really like you to be there. But basically, we're going to have other girls that were in treatment with us. Um, it's going to be there, like our therapist that was there. A lot of people are coming to it, and they're just gonna, it's called Education Day, Eating Disorder Education Day. And so we're just going to have information available out there for people who might need it or want resources, and we're just going to enjoy ourselves and our bodies. And that's a big thing. Like, we, want, we have a hard time with athletics and mm -hmm. running and things, so we want events that are going to promote, like, not – like, not have to worry about your body. It's just, right. like, yeah. enjoyable for you. But I wanted to read this. When I was there in last December, I found this scripture, and I've never, I'd never read it before, and it, like, just has been, it almost, every time I read it, I'm just amazed that I came across it at the time that I did. But this is Job 33, 12 through 30. It's kind of long, but... Um, it says, but I tell you, in this you are not right, for God is greater than man. Why do you complain to him that he answers none of man's words? For God does speak, now one way, now another, though man may not perceive it. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls on men as they slumber in their beds, he may speak in their ears and terrify them with warnings, to turn man from wrongdoing and keep him from pride, to preserve his soul from the pit, his life from perishing by the sword. Or a man may be chastened on a bed of pain with constant distress in his bones so that his very being finds food repulsive and his soul loathes the choicest meal. His flesh wastes away to nothing and his bones, once hidden, now stick out. His soul draws near to the pit and his life to the messengers of death. Yet if there is an angel on his side as a mediator, one out of a thousand, to tell a man what is right for him, to be gracious to him and say, Spare him from going down to the pit. I have found ransom for him. Then his flesh is renewed like a child's. It is restored as in the days of his youth. He prays to God and finds favor with him and sees God's face and shouts for joy. He is restored by God to his righteous state. Then he comes to men and says, I sinned and, and perverted what was right, but I did not get what I deserved. He redeemed my soul from going to the pit, and I will live to enjoy the light. God does all these things to a man twice, even three times, to turn back his soul from the pit, that the light of light may shine on him. I'm not exactly what, sure what that refers to in Job, but I do know that that spoke so deeply to me, and that on just a physical level, that was true for me, but on a spiritual level, that when we are not in God, or not following him the way that we need to be, we draw up, like Kimberly's saying, like we wither away, like we are unable to fight anything. And no matter what it is that you struggle with, um, not even eating disorders, but like any addiction, any worry, anything that goes on, like when we turn to anything other than God to like help us with that, we really dry up. And again, another thing that we want to focus on too is how important spirituality is into recovery. If you, um, the thing is, we need support. Like, we need, people with us need support. But if you rely on other people to be your means, like your only means to get better, you're going to be empty. You're going to feel like something's not, it's not enough. And so that's how 
I judge when I know that I'm looking to other people. When I get frustrated and mad that other people aren't supporting me enough, I get, that's when I'm like, well, that's because I'm not asking God for the support. I'm looking to other people, and other people are going to let us down. I mean, they can't be perfect. So that's my, like, that's what we want to share with you today is that um, being in God, like, how much of a difference, like, we've been able to grow aware of how, like, it's been a process, like, a, for me, it's been over a year process of separating my thoughts and knowing, like, it's, when you get mad like this, this is when you're not trusting God, instead of just getting mad and being angry with myself, so um, I just encourage you to if you're dealing with anything, first of all, just the honesty with God, admitting that that's there, asking him what you could do. Um, if you're not struggling, if you want to support, like, us or anybody with an eating disorder, like, we will, we would love that and offer that information to other people who need support because only one-third of people with eating disorders recover, so that's, like, a very small percentage. Um, and if you, and the intensity of the eating disorders, um, they can be very bad. And Kimberly was talking about the suicidal like thoughts that she had. Um, a lot of people with eating disorders attempt suicide. I mean, it's a very serious thing. I mean, one in five people with an eating disorder die, and some of those are suicidal. They're not necessarily health complications. So this is like a very serious thing, and we're very passionate about it. But we just wanted to share with you about how God's helped us get through it. So thank you for listening to us. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. you know, as they shared, what came to my mind, guys, uh, was James 5.16. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And I think what happens to us sometimes in struggle is we think we've got to do it alone. And that's not true. And I appreciate your courage. Um, you are actually doing what you're called to do, and most of us don't. And that is to be honest and to say, I need God, and I need the support of His people. And I guess what they have shared, I want to see happen among us. Whatever it is that we're struggling with, don't hold it in and do it alone. Turn to God and seek people in your church family that love you. To confess your sins to God, but it says to each other, and pray for each other. To be vulnerable so you can be healed. It's powerful and effective, the Bible says. So we have a time we call response, invitation. It's a time that's serious to us about God at work. We have an altar. Maybe you need to come and pray. Just get on your knees before God and say, okay, God, here's my stuff, and I want to come to you. Um, maybe you'd like someone to pray with. I'd love to pray with you. Maybe there's someone else here you would 
ask to pray with you. It doesn't have to be me, but to come and, and to pray. Maybe some of you want to share with God's people something on your heart. You want that support and you want that love. You want that embrace. It's a powerful thing. So, uh, anyway, we're going to have that time, chance to respond. So I'm going to ask Thomas to come forward, lead us in song as you guys.